Now entering Nerdist.com. Chew it with a guy named Kevin. Chew it. And this other guy, Steve. Chew it. From the TV and the movies. And now this podcast stream. Chew it. They're gonna get chewy. Chew it. They might even get me. Chew it. But they're gonna get funky on this podcast thing. All right, what's okay, up? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Am I supposed to do it? do it. Oh, like that? Or, uh, yeah, chew. How do you chew? I've never had a chomper before. Okay. Mm-hmm. Never and, then a chomper. A, and then a solo chew. A solo chew. Now do a solo chew. All right. This is, uh, this is my dog Molly chewing. <laughs> 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 like she like the you know, orgasmic about it. That's a really good chew, Soder. It is. And and you know, don't worry. They know who our guest uh, is. Oh, is it supposed to be a surprise? Well, Kevin, it Kevin goes by the thing every week. He wants to tease who the guest is and like we do a whole big thing then he gets mad he's like okay let's introduce him but like they can see your name on the episode right like when you guys did Roos did this I not point. I say this every week to Lemmy what if you're blind what right, if right. you're blind right. uh, <laughs> I love you guys are like an old married couple is that part of the uh, it's like part of our shtick like it's a, part the, of our shtick the battling Bickersons with Kevin and Steve well cause Queen likes he's got his own Fucking thing that he needs to do. I just like organization. How have have you ever gotten even flirted with genuine anger with each other during a podcast? uh, No, have we? We'll never tell. I mean, people we've flirted with anger. After listening to the podcast, we've flirted with anger. There have been a couple of times. Who knows if it's genuine or not? There have been a couple of times I've gotten frustrated because, like, like Kevin does when we have guests, he has a list of his questions. You know his his lists. Sure. And I have lists too, but if I ever want to go off onto a tangent, that's, you know, or ask like a silly question, he'll, on the air, he'll be like, no, we're not going to answer that question, we're doing this question. I don't think that has ever happened. Oh, it I challenge anyone to go back and listen to every episode and tell me when I've ever done that. I you insisted on sticking to the prescribed... Or like, uh, like let me ask a good question, and I'm like, eh. Oh, yeah. you've definitely done that. And if, if, I, if, I look Never. At the, if I look at the list, I have... I remember one specifically where I was like, I started asking questions. You were like, no, no, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about this. I don't remember that. And go, then I, go back and find it. No, I will. I will, Kevin. We're fighting now. Speaking Paul. of that, let's do our plugs. Let's do our plugs. Okay, wait. Our hey. guest our guest, is none other than Broken Lizard founding member, Paul. What's your middle name? Charles. Charles. Oh, I knew that. I, dick. I knew that. Carlos. Yes. Dick. You think. You, you would think. Dick. What a dick. You would think. Uh... Caveat, probably not, I mean, like a junior member, right? Like Slansky and I are junior Well, that's Charles Wispy. No, no, I guess it's from oh, Broken guess. Lizard. We did the first. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. We did so the first show. So your things are already wrong. Okay, yeah, you are not a founding member. We don't have a founding member of Broken well, Lizard. Let's, well, let's... See, this, he's doing it. He's doing it. This is what he, he does. He wants to course correct? Well, I'm just saying, like, yes. what you've done now is... We've started talking about Soder, and now we have to go do our plugs. Why don't you do your plugs and then introduce Soder? See, this is what he does. There's no... But I'm, yeah. he knows I'm right. Well, he knows I'm right. There's no right like and the there's meander. no wrong. You know, I mean, I like to... This is fine. But now we're going to have to stop saying hello to you to tell people what's going on no, but and to do our, our why ad. Why do you want to put this guy in a box? Why, and why can't Paul be a part of it, too? He can. Well, I like wool gathering as can't. much as the next guy. You want you know? him to shut up for this. Well, the point is, K1 Speed right now is like, where is our plug? And it's coming. And you know what? They're going to get a bonus plug. Because they're going to they're gonna get one of the members of Broken Lizard in on this thing, if I have my way. Maybe they'll get three of the members of Broken Lizard, if I have my way. Well, you don't want Paul to be a part of this. I do. See, I do want Paul to be a part a, of it. This is when I get mad at him. <laughs> Kevin likes to, he likes to take the edge off of the, off of the yeah, thing. Yeah, you want to 
free-form jazz podcast, and he wants like a tightly, you know, verse-chorus, verse-chorus, instrumental break, verse-chorus, outro Mm -hmm. podcast. But it's that tension that really... Oh, you guys are the original couple. Right. Do you have a theme song for your plugs? Like, do you get like a like some? No, we have a theme song for our podcast. Though I've heard that. Yeah, I just didn't good. know if yeah. like within the it was like we don't. I guess we have talked plug about time, this. Plug time. Why don't we get K one to? We should. Well, we should get our own. We should get Akana to write a, a plug jingle for us that we can for use. all plugs. Yeah. Okay. Because like you know we've been on the Todd Glass show and Todd Glass he's got jingles up the right. ass up the dingle. Yeah. Right. He does have jingles <laughs> up the dingle. Uh, um, all right, tonight though, we're gonna be in Edmonton. No, tomorrow night we're gonna be in Edmonton. Tomorrow night, Thursday night in Edmonton. Thursday night we're doing the Edmonton. We are doing a comedy festival at the uh, Ranch Town, Roadhouse. At the Ranch Roadhouse. Yeah. And uh, uh, one show, one night, eight o'clock Thursday night, October seventeenth. Uh, is it the seventeenth already? Yeah. God damn. Uh, I saw the poster online, and there's yeah. a very. I, I, I what drew my attention was a little button on the bottom that said. Hang out with the guys afterwards. <laughs> I saw that. Is this a surprise to you guys? Uh, is it is. Part of the deal? Well, I mean, we always hang out afterwards, but this question of how much I'm going to hang out with, right. you know, with Lemmy. Yeah, well, the thing is, the guy who's promoting it, and by the way, I don't want to hang out with you either. <laughs> the, the guy who's promoting it is the guy who promoted us in Calgary. Oh, it is? Yeah, Matthew Wall. Oh, and okay. uh, the, the guy who looks like Patio. Okay. Like Slick Patio. How do you know that? I didn't know that. Because his, his name is on the contract. Unlike you, who are a lawyer in two states, mm-hmm. I read the contracts. So usually, I doubt Kevin's that. usually so good at doing his due diligence. Did you sign the contract? What? No. Did you? Yeah. Oh, and why didn't you read it before you signed I it? I did read the contract. Okay, so you didn't see who offered us the, yeah, uh, I didn't, I didn't the gig. I as long as his money's green. That's right, baby. Yeah. As that, long as it, well, it's, not, it's in Canada. Oh, as long as his money's purple. red and blue. Yeah, well, yeah, is that the money is? I think so. There's some red, there's some green, there's some clear. Like there, it's, oh, there is clear. On yeah, the new bills, there's like cellophane. On the Canadian, yeah, the money. middle of it's clear. You yeah. look through it, and they got old prime ministers on it. Yeah, the Queen of England, Trudeau. the Thatch. I think uh, a Queen, Queen of England. Yeah, Queen of England is not a lot of it. Surprisingly, uh, Trudeau is punted. No, Trudeau, they don't. They don't want anything to do with Trudeau. Huh? Trudat. You know Gretzky is he is like a great hockey player. Get himself on sure in Edmonton. Or, right? He's probably on a stamp. He's probably done all kinds of shit in Edmonton, right? Yeah, for sure. Maybe they have special special Gretzky and and uh, special Euler dollars in right. Edmonton. God. Now I have to confess something. Now I'm getting uncomfortable that we haven't done the plugs. See? I have to admit, talking about. Except they're coming. They're coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's true. I do. We uh, bang them out, and then we're going to have some fun. Let's bang them out. All right, so, yes. I've been having fun. Me too, me too. But we can have more fun. Can't we have more fun, Steve? We can. All right, so Edmonton, Thursday night, October 17th. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, and then what else? We're going to oh, be in St. Louis, right? St. Louis. Yes. Uh, when is it? November 7th and 8th and 9th. Yeah. Is that right? I think so. November 7th and 9th, St. Louis. The yeah. Valley Park Funny Bone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that, we'll be in Rochester. Mm-hmm. New York. Yeah. At, uh, was it the Comic <laughs> Club, but Davey, Daisy Dukes. Yeah. Good job. Uh, and it's like the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. We'll get you more concrete information. Go to our website and look. Yeah, we're like, come on, heffernandlemmy.com. That, that's the place to go. That's, that's where all the, the action really is. Be. Okay. Um, by the way. Yeah? If you have the need for speed. Ooh. K1 Speed is the place to race. Don't like you guys think sell, so? Sell speed like pills? Is that no, no, like speed like... Like go-karts. Let me tell you what it is. Oh. Paul, let me tell you what it is. What is K1 speed, Kev? It is the premier indoor kart racing center in the United States. It's got European-style electric go-karts yeah, you, that reach speeds 
of up to 45 miles per hour. By the way, those European-style electric go-karts are 100% emissions-free, and you can experience thrills on those. Because they're green. Yeah. Uh, High-speed thrills for adults. Have you guys go-karted at all recently? Not recently, no. I've gone. I went to a raceway. Okay. Uh, in the last year, I can't I'm sure it's at K1. I'm sure it's at K1. I'm sure it's K1. You guys have a clause. I'm sure it's K1. You were at K1. It's K1. It's oh K1. yeah, well, it was K1 because <laughs> it's for uh, adults and juniors. And, uh, it's, and but I want to say it's really fun. Like I don't think of myself as being like a particular. You're not a Need for Speed guy. Need for Speed guy. Right. It's addictive. Yeah. Really. Well, um, then if you like. Uh, go-karts like Paul Soder does. Just race on over to a K1 location near you today to feed your need for speed seven days a week. Right. Or you can uh, go to our uh, TuneIt webpage and they have a coupon over there. You can download a coupon and uh, it'll save you a little dough when you go down to K1. Yeah. So if you have not experienced the thrills of racing at K1 speed, do yourself a favor and find that location do near you. you. Th- I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, it's good. Do you think they have their own jingle, K1? Uh, we could write one right here. Yeah. I think it's one of those like throaty, like kind of Bob Seger, like okay, one got the need for speed. Right. Yeah, how about this? One at number three, one at number two, we're number one, K one. Ooh, I like that. That's a pretty good one. All right, let's like up. You want some thrills? You want some spills? But you don't want J two. You want K one. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Those fuckers across the street at J2 are, are like... I like okay, that. Why do they have to call us out? Yeah, what if if there is a J2, they are fucking snapping right now. <laughs> That's the raceway across the street. That's the rival race. Yeah, J2. Yeah, they, get, they got there a little too late. Or they were there first, and K1 was like, it's so obvious, we'll just do K1. Right. And the president of, of J2 is screaming at his marketing guys right now. How did you let those other guys across the street get those uh, Let Me Happen in podcast? K1? K1? But that's good though, because then J two in six months will come to us and you know start sure, they'll up the ante. Yeah, right. Or A one. Oh man, A point five. Yeah. Um, the house. All right. Okay. What else? Wait, we're back in Rebecca. Sorry, we had technical difficulties. We're yep. picking it back up. We moved outside too. It's a lovely night. Yeah. A lovely evening here. By the way, by the way, just so you know, we did we had advertised on t- Twitter that we were going to be answering fan questions, and we got some lovely questions. We are actually postponing that to next week. Because we got a guest. Because we have a wonderful guest. I mean, you can't postpone the guest. Right. We're not postponing. Especially this kind of guest. And the best guest we've ever had. Yeah, you, can't po- you can postpone the questions. And the questions will have nothing to do with me, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. And so people can send questions all week. Who yeah. has been your best guest so far? In your uh, humble, in your humble that's, opinion. You can't, that's not a good question. You so can't ask it. Uh, I loved Lance Henriksen. I really love that. We had so many. Swardson was a uh, Swardson, fantastic. Great. Paxton was great. Larry Schur was Larry great. Larry Schur was great. Just but so see, many now people. you get, go down this list and you got to be like. I'll name them all. Yeah, Jim Rash, awesome. Matt yeah. Faxon, awesome. Yeah. Cheddar Sekar was great. Yeah. Go back and listen to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Bellin uh, was great. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, Kevin's wife, you know, thought he was shooting never on. My brother. Well, I want to have Kevin's wife on. Because wouldn't you like to hear a podcast about what it's like to be married to Kevin Heffernan? <laughs> How about all of our wives do a podcast about us called Attack of the Lizard Women? Oh, there you, you go. You listen to that, right? Sure. They would have nothing interesting to say. No, it, it would be a very interesting conversation to hear them trade stories about us, don't you think? Yeah. It would be far less glorious. 
than us training stories. All they do is I got to take this cock out of Your mother jokes. Yeah, fart, fart, fart. Stick something up my ass. Blah, blah, blah. Fart, joke, fart, guy chiming in. We all married women from Canarsie. This is weird. Yeah. Um, uh, let's uh, talk about let's 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 talk about your movie though. And by the before way, before we get too far in anything, before we do that, you don't often get a shout out for Canarsie. So let's give it up for Canarsie. Canarsie, Canarsie in the Canarsie. house. <laughs> let's plug Soder's movie. Oh man, because Soder made a uh, well, Soder is a is a horror movie aficionado. You may think of him as a comedy aficionado. Yeah, and he is, but. You have a love of horror movies, don't but you? am I a comedy aficionado? I started to think about this. Like, I definitely watch more horror than I watch comedy. Yeah. But like has, I, that, has I, that always I, been the case? Uh, I probably consistently throughout my life watch probably two or three horror movies for every comedy that I You have I a two-to-one ratio? Probably. Horror to comedy? Yeah. But I didn't know that about you. I, and maybe it's because, you know, back when we were getting to know each other in college and right out of college... It was comedy, comedy, comedy all the time. <laughs> but yeah. that's Soder. He's comedy, comedy, comedy all the time. No, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't even know who he is. He just, he just makes me laugh, but he doesn't scare me. <laughs> I no, I always like. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember when I felt that you were really a horror into horror. movie guy. Well, look, I mean, when we, I think when we, we did Club Dread, part of that was my, my recollection was that you know I was the big a big proponent of. Hey, let's do something that uh, plays on uh, slasher, slasher movie conventions. Mm-hmm. All those great slasher movie films from the eighties, and and obviously, you know, we was an, we all liked that idea. But um, yeah, I mean, that's when we were trying to remember. We would try to get Chandler Taker to watch all of our favorite horror movies. We'd be like, okay, so that's when I'm assuming you favorite horror movies. I'm assuming you've seen, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, and you'd say. No. <laughs> like, yeah, how, how has anybody not seen? Sure, that's like a ball of clay that you can mold, Soder. You yeah. would think so, Exciting. but that clay didn't so. want to be molded. I guess. But now, to, now to to go back to my point, I remember making that list, and and the movies we were putting down for Jay to watch were things like Children of the Corn and, and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and very sort of like your standards. Of the greatest hits of, of, of horror now, like you and I had a conversation before we. You're very deep cutting the now, podcast, right? You were, I mean, you're into some obscure stuff. Yeah, yeah, because I do think that now, um, there's really interesting stuff being made. I mean, there was you could dig around. You know, there was there was weird, obscure stuff in the '70s and '80s. That I think I didn't even know about it at the time. So it probably was. I will admit, probably only in the last. Ten years, and you can get your hands on it now. Which yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Was not the case. Before. Yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, I guess going back to the, what you said before, I mean, do you think like, I mean, don't you think there are more horror movies made than comedy movies now? I mean, it seems like there, there's a lot of horror movies getting made yeah, because yeah. it's a genre that can make money. Yeah, because now uh, you could make a movie for nothing and and stand a much better chance of having it shown and having it succeed than to make a comedy for nothing. And right. I, I get into this conversation with people all the time where they're like. People say to me, like, oh, I want to do an indie comedy. And I'll say, okay, but, you know, Super Troopers is actually a huge anomaly in terms of an indie comedy. comedy. I mean, yeah. there's clerks and stuff like that. But, I mean, you, you I feel like a, a weird little cheap little comedy breaks through, yeah, much that's more rare than than a you know you see well it's because it's an inherent hook movies. in a horror movie right I mean, don't you think that's why because you can yes. sell the hook of a horror movie more easily than you can sell the 
Yeah, and I think, you know... Do you think it's comedy. easier to scare than easy to make someone laugh? Well, uh, oh, uh, I mean, I, I think that... I mean, I don't know. No, I think it's... I, I would say, I mean, that it's similar in that, you know, I mean, I've watched terrible horror movies. Yeah. They're just, they're not scary. The acting isn't good. The story isn't good. They're just like, you know... Or they're cheap or whatever. I mean, but they can still, no matter how cheap they are, they can still have a cat jump out of a closet, and you're going to jump. You know? I would say <laughs> that there's some. There's always cheap, cheap <laughs> yeah, tricks. Sure, but there's also especially you, Lemmy. There's also cheap comedy tricks too. You know, like your cut two jokes sure. and your callbacks. Callbacks and are your cheap. dog pissing on the leg of a sure, getting, uh, somebody, getting hit in the balls, <laughs> yeah. well, no, or making I mean, an like, asshole joke, like yeah. we like to do. When I decided to start making horror movies, that was part of what what I was thinking about was like. You know what? I'm sick of like arguing. This is funny. This is not funny. And you, you know, and 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 the the subjectivity of it all. Because we we spend a lot of time talking about that for comedy. Like, how do you review a comedy? It's completely subjective. And I part of what I kind of had in my head was like, I really feel like scary is more objective. Yeah. And then I felt like I had a really clear handle on what works and what doesn't work in a horror movie. And what was interesting about doing Dark Circles and then watching it and screening it from people and, and, and whatnot was that at the end of the day, when you looked at feedback, it ended up being the same as, as, a, as a comedy. Somebody would be like, I don't know, that wasn't scary. Somebody would be like, oh, you, you came to yeah. me? That was fucking terrifying. Yeah, sure. Somebody like, no, no, no. And you're like, <clears throat> I was like, oh, this is the exact same. What would make this movie thing. better? More tits! <laughs> Which we get all More the tits! Just, just to catch everybody, anybody who's listening up on this, um, Paul wrote and directed a, a, a horror movie. Would you call it a horror movie, or would you call it it's like a suspense it's thriller? It's horror. Yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be horror, but I wanted it to... Um, I'm much more interested in doing stuff that's like unsettling yeah. versus just, you know, really gory stuff. I mean, there, there, there's some... There's a little bit there's of blood. There's, there. some, there's some blood in there. But no, that, that's the thing, is getting um, inside the head of it. Well, let me just say, the, yeah, yeah, movie's, so called, the movie's called Dark Circles. Yeah. Um, and, and it's available anywhere where you can rent movies or I think buy so. movies. I don't know if it's on Netflix yet. I don't know how the, their uh, deal works with Netflix. It is on Netflix. Oh. It, I, got it off, it? I got it off iTunes. I got it on Amazon. Yeah, I, I think that's how you can get it. Yeah. I don't know about Netflix. Or maybe it's just a matter of time. I don't know how this stuff works. Or Epics or Crackle, any of those? I don't know. I mean, it was a Lionsgate DVD, but, uh, you know. But sort of wrote and directed it, and... Uh, and uh, because of his love for horror movies, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I had done a movie, I'd done this comedy watching The Detectives before. Good acting in that movie. Some real... <laughs> good acting in that movie. <laughs> the lesser bits. But that's the interesting thing. If you want to go back in that direction, it's like you wanted to direct yeah. and write and direct and make your own movies. And so you went out and put together... Should we talk about... Dark Circles first, or you want to talk about Washington Guards and Detectives? Well, I guess good. Let's go history. Chronologically, okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, So it was, I think, while we were editing Beer Fest, yeah. right? Yeah, you yeah. wanted to make your own fl- uh, film, so you went out and raised the money for it and wrote it and put the whole thing together yourself, yourself right? And called Watching the Detectives, which is also available anywhere that you want to get. Yeah, that one... Uh, uh, um yeah, that's on IFC a lot, actually. Yeah. little indie comedy. But, I mean, you know, respectfully, you know, you make it sound very easy. Um, I, I did not intend to. Well, no, no. I, I made it sound I, I respected his ability <laughs> well, to what do I, it. What I mean is, what I to say. And, and I like that. What I mean is, uh, it's not just that simple, right? You, no, no, I mean, it was a long, that was like a, a, a year and a half of writing that script. And then, um, you know, it, it went out. 
uh, it was a, at least a year of it going out. I mean, I wrote it in New York, and then we mo- all moved to yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah. And it was probably a, a year after <coughs> living in LA and having it go, you know, around and around for at least a year before I got a, a bite on it. Um, and then it was probably a year of getting the green light. Like it was a year of a producer saying, "Yeah, I'd like to make it, but we just have to get the right cast." to green light it so it was a year of going after talent um, and then we got uh, Killian Murphy and Lucy Liu uh, to, to be and, stars and yeah um, and that's so, I mean that's huge that's the, the whole part of it is getting cast that gets the movie made yeah it's amazing how do you get Lucy Liu I mean she's fucking we had Killian star. first like Killian had at, at that time was uh, um, I'm not sure what he had come off of Batman like, yeah he'd done Batman and Red Eye yeah. And was kind of just breaking out as an American guy. And then he kind of ended up pulling it back. You know, he... he right. Like the wind that shakes the leaves the, or the, something like that. The wind that shakes the barley. barley. Breakfast on Pluto or... Right. That was a good... good. Um, and then, so yeah, that... Very that, blue know, eyes, that guy. The most... And bluest... Dashingly blue eyes. And, and very... Uh, to go with his blue eyes, very purple, wet lips. Mm. Maybe not wet, but purple, plump lips. Beastung. Beastung lips. Beastung lips. lips. Yeah. Killian Murphy. Beastung lips. Super nice guy. Deep blue eyes. Really nice guy. And in fact, I remember when I was in watching The Detectives, <laughs> um, I showed up there. I flew there literally the day we wrapped uh, the reshoots of Beer Fest. Yeah. Uh, or I, I was wrapped out early. Because I had to go. Uh, yeah. Because I, I was flying across the country to New York City to be in Paul Soder's watching the go. detectives. There you go. And right. there, there we had to get rid of my Finkelstein haircut, right. and uh, which Paul's hair and makeup person, which I think was Lucy's. That was Lucy's specific hair and makeup person. Yes, yes. That was her one. That was like the. And it's not even a. It was just the like one thing she asked for. And I think about I now, like a super budget. low budget movie, and somebody as big as Lucy Liu. Yeah. And and. Let that her have was, her hair first. Yeah, yeah, that was like let the only thing. Like, just let me have my. And, and you know, you get that now. Like, sure, sure. Yeah. But Killian, Killian stood by while I got my head shaved and yeah. even took a few shaves of my head. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> well, it was a big deal. I'd never shaved my head before. Sure. Sure. People were poking. Soder, you know, was directing a film, but he took time to, you know, poke his head in. And, and give a shave. Now and you uh, guys shave your head every every couple of weeks. I know. It's yeah. Ridiculous. Did Killian throw anything Irish out at you while you were uh, getting your head? Or? But like, uh, oh, you got a head like a wee potato. Faith in Begora. Look at the potato you got on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christ. Ah, you got a head like a Dublin winker. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't throw anything like that out okay, at me. Okay. He just shaved some of it. Okay. Fine movie. All right. But you put together, you put together what, like two million bucks or something like that? Or what did that you was, yeah, two million. Um, yeah. Which is, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, even I look at it now, we talk about, as we've talked about, like, trying to do indie comedy, I look at that now and, you know, I, I, I'm I'm glad I, I did it. That was sort of my sort of training wheels movie but it is it's a weird kind of thing to try to do like I wanted it to be kind of a romantic comedy but I also yeah. wanted it to kind of go away from the conventions of romantic comedy but sure. trying to do indie comedy I just wouldn't recommend it why 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 what's the I just think like it's gotta be like packaged just right in terms and... of the cast or in terms of like uh, how big the movie feels or yeah I just can't think of a lot of Movies that break out, that 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 sort of cut through all the noise as indie comedies. It's just, yeah, 
I don't know. And yet, I mean, something we've sort of learned, I guess, empirically, and not just from ourselves, but just from seeing it happen. You know, also, like, you know, clerks, swingers was was one. Yeah. There, there can always be one. It's just a matter of... You know, how smart are you going to be with your dollars and, and your it's time? How good is your movie? And what kind of luck do you get? But also now, I mean, remember, like the the maybe I'm also thinking about how the landscape has changed, where you know, and it's affected us. That, that there's this the indie film landscape in general is 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 ridiculous, and that there's no distributors for for those movies uh, for those movies. And well, the model has changed. Now it's the, it's VOD and it's right, right. You know, right. getting it in your home as opposed to going to see it in the right. theater. But like, because you know, it's like a, st- a studio is not going to release something theatrically unless they think it's going to make a hundred million dollars. Right. And because things like Paranormal Activity have, then they will do that. They'll take that chance sure. on a, a horror, horror movie, movie because there's, I think, a much better track record of like a, having a gigantic success. Even going back to Blair Witch Project, yeah. Um, uh, you know, whereas the comedies, net net. I mean, we did it. But I think, you know, I mean, to that end, maybe it is. I, I think the odds are better for a, a scary movie or a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. With with the comedy, it was just, that was a situation where, I mean, going into Sundance, the festival ne- didn't necessarily want to take us because they were like, you're not our typical fare. We've yeah. been hearing that from distributors, you know. Uh, people who want to see a big studio movie won't go see uh, your movie because they think it's too independent. And independent audiences won't go see your movie because they'll think it's a, a big, broad comedy. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and then if somebody does see it in front of an audience and people laugh. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that was a, a, a conscious effort when you decided I'm going to make my next movie that I'm going to go in this direction or just you're, it was because uh, you loved horror movies? Yeah, was gonna, I mean, yeah, as we talk about it from a business standpoint. It yeah, like I, cold and calculating. No, I, yeah, yeah, I don't want it to make it sound like that was the, the, the motivation. <laughs> it was that once I got... But we talked about this. You love comedy and horror. Yeah, so it's okay. for sure, for sure. Yeah. But then when I was sitting down to think about what I was going to do next, um, I thought about, though, like, oh, what am I most passionate about? And what is the genre that I'm most sort of knowledgeable in? And like I said, I, I, I you know, I've seen probably a ton more horror than I've seen comedy. Mm-hmm. And if we were to sit down and have a conversation about, like, comedy cinema versus horror cinema, like, I can go much deeper, right. much more into horror than in, into comedy. And I think it was also like, if you look back to sort of two years ago, you know, two, three years ago when I started going down the road on Dark Circles, yeah, you know, I it had been like, it had been a really frustrating time yeah. for us. And I think I was really like pretty just angry about how the, the whole business was working and the process it's just hard to get and, things done and, and made uh, yeah how frustrating yeah. it was and and so I think I was building up a lot of like bile inside of me and then I went through this experience of having my first child yeah and you know just there really is nothing like it like that's the thing like you know when I talk to people about dark circles the reception that it gets uh, among people who have had a child <laughs> yeah. versus people who have not, it's like night oh, yeah. and day. Yeah, yeah. Which I like can see that when you watch it, you see that. You know? Yeah, tell, t- just tell the premise though of it. It's, so it's, it's basically that yeah. you know, don't give anything away though. Semi autobiographical <laughs> in that, like my wife and I 
had a baby, and we also had just moved into a house yeah. where there was construction all around. Sure. So constant banging that. during the day. Is it and like then, Laurel Canyon? Where was it? Yeah, Laurel yeah, Canyon. Canyon yeah, yeah. And baby crying all night, <laughs> and he just, it was, you know, there are, you know, you can't ever convince somebody who hasn't gone through it, I think, what the, the pressures that you feel, sure. the realization that your life is completely different, and how, like... The effects of sleep I, deprivation have on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. you really do. You realize that, that a person, I don't... I had never felt more vulnerable in my life up to that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think, like, all of us, like, yeah. you just don't think shit's ever going to go wrong. Like, we were never those kind of guys. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, we never sat around obsessing about what are the t- horrible things that might happen in our, our, yeah. on our day. Like, what terrible thing might happen to me today? <laughs> right, right. But you get in this state, and it's a combination of sleep, sleep deprivation and uh, uh, just the general vulnerability and terror of, like, oh, my God, my life as I knew it was over. Yeah. And so I was channeling that into this movie about a couple who have a child and who move out of the city to get out into a place where they can afford to live and that would be more peaceful and quiet. And place you know, raise a kid. A, yeah, he's yeah. a composer. And, yeah. and uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that they end up in this scenario that I was in, which is that it turns out that there's construction going on around them. They didn't know. And the baby cries all night. And they begin to believe that they're seeing, feeling, hearing things in the house that may or may not be right. for real and are doubting themselves and doubting each other and, and, and trying to just whip them into this sort of frenzy of not knowing what the hell's going on yeah. around And if you've them. gone through that, then you know. I mean, that's... Yes. I mean, that's what made it so creepy to me. I mean, even from the, front, the first scene, the first scene to me was so fucking creepy that I was like, oh, God. And I was like, fuck you, Soder. I don't know if I can watch this whole goddamn movie. Yeah, I had, the, um, I had my, my power book on my chest. I was watching it in bed. So I was watching it on iTunes. I got it on my computer. So I had my nose up to the screen. I'm not going to give anything away here, but, like, there's just a delightful scare in that opening scene. And I got mad at you. I got mad at you. Yeah. Well, that's, you know. And I also hunkered. I was like, okay, fuck. I had to recalibrate my expectations. I was like, so Soder's doing a good job here. Because you you later, like, let's see what Soder did here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the thing, like, it's, it's a... And probably that incredibly valuable takeaway that we all have from Super Troopers that that you realize if if, if you can get them by the throat in the opening sure. scene, yeah. um, that that goes a, a long way. Because you know, I, I, that, that was in terms of the creative push and pull with the producers on that movie. Without giving anything away, there is if you when you're done with the movie, look back at that first scene. There's a there's a major kind of bullshit that occurs. Yeah, um, that's a complete cheat. Sure, and but you did okay, you know. But that, this, this, these were the, the yeah. discussions when we were making the movie. The producers were like, eh, "It's the one thing about the movie that's a cheat." And I said, "I, I totally agree with you," mm-hmm. but I just trust me on this. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to come out of the gate swinging. Yeah, I think in in any movie, but especially you know, if I think about a, a, a horror movie, because I knew also that it was going to require a bit of a, a slow burn after that point. Yeah, there sure. really was going to have to be a lot of establishing the relationship between these two people, yep. what they're the both kind place, of nervous about. New, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and But, you know. Now, as uh, let me ask you then, as a filmmaker, does that irritate you a little bit? That, like, you can't... I mean, you know, because you could tell a story with the slow burn and just start it off 
quietly and then just have it build to that thing, you miss out on that, on setting the mood with the original scare. Do you do that because you know, again, empirically, that you need that cold open? Um, yeah, but like I said, I, I was all for it because I do think... A horror movie like a comedy is a ride for an audience. Mm-hmm. You know, if if, if this was going to be a really like purely indie kind of movie, and it was going to be, um, you know, done. Uh, to, if it was not designed to be a movie that I wanted people to, you know, to get a jolt out of people, yeah. But I mean, you know, I just wanted it to. Well, no, I mean, it works. You, you set the table properly. Yeah. I mean, there's some creepy shit. In there. Yeah, I was mad at you. And I, I, I was like, God damn it, Soder. Because I, I don't like any... I don't like those movies. I don't like the Paranormal Activity movie, Insidious movies. I don't like any of those movies. I don't watch them. And I had to watch Soder's movie. Yeah. I was mad because I was... And I was like... <laughs> I was in bed. My wife was asleep. And I had a, uh, the screen inches from my face. Yeah. And I was like, so when I have to deal with these fucking scares... <laughs> They're going to be, you know, I know, millimeters away from me. Yeah, I mean, but also, I mean, good actor like Jonathan. Shake, tell me how to pronounce his name. Shake, shake. Love shake. that guy who has a baby now, which is awesome. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. I, oh, I love that guy, and he's so good in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he was great. You know, and he was. Uh, he's in Ray Donovan. I, uh, which I want. Which I want. You know, I was <laughs> aware of him as an actor, and I, and yeah. I liked him. But uh, when we were casting. And I heard that he w- had read the script and was really into it. Yeah. My first thought was like, eh, but he's such a stud, he's you know. He's, he's so guy. ridiculously good looking, right. and, right. and and I had always imagined, you know, that that character to be kind of a more of a sensitive dude and a regular dude. And you know, I think of Jonathan as just being this sort of comically, almost comically good, good looking, looking. Yeah. guy. The thing you do get. Uh, but what was cool is I met him, and he's like, "Look, you got to know like how personal." How about sort of personal this script was to me? Like he's been suffering from insomnia his whole life, okay. and uh, talking to him about it and seeing that like he's a really like he's a deep dude. He is very much an artist, and he's uh, uh, just a really regular guy. And then I was like, oh yeah, this guy, this guy would be great. Did you have like in your real life as you're going through it, and you obviously came up with the idea for the movie? Did you have weird shit? that happened in your sleep deprivation world or it was just more frustrating shit? It was just more... <clears throat> there, there's a... There's a... Like, like a signature scene where he's washing the baby in the sink. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, ooh, yeah. And yeah. Well, that, like, I definitely had moments where I kind of came to and realized that I was about to endanger sure. the baby. Or realizing, you know, that you've you've let the baby crawl to the top of a stair and sure, didn't right. grab it. <laughs> right. So, you know, there so there weren't like ooh spooky things, but just right. those things of like daydreamy, like yeah, realizing that you're out of it and that you've yeah. like you're you've you've kind of started that that first almost sort of dream state, even though you're standing or like walking, like yeah. you never thought that that. Thing kind of happens, but it does. It does happen. Sure, um, it happens when you're driving a car. Christ's sakes! Yeah, you, know, you just have that all the time. Yeah, believe me, I have let me. I have it all the time. Let me. The amount of times Hefferton's like stop sign, stop sign, stop sign. <laughs> <laughs> stop sign. That's what I'm talking. Do you know the? Um, there is a. It it is true, and maybe this goes back to the whole horror versus comedy uh, thing. Um, you know something about horror movies. In some ways, even though it's slightly more fantastical than. 
any comedy, there is something. I mean, the idea to, to make a successful horror movie, you have to be totally relatable and put people in a very real situation yeah. so that because what scares people is I think to, to, what scares me the most is feeling very familiar in, in a, a certain yeah. setting and being like I have been in this position before I've been I've walked down this dark hallway or I've you know I've wondered if there was somebody behind me mm -hmm. um, I think it's why like found footage movies went completely fucking bizonkers is that that, that I think Paranormal Activity, and I've, I like different movies in the franchise to different extents, but I, I, I think it's undeniable that the beauty of those movies was that you put people in front of it and they felt like they were in it. That, that, that you know, you, you people are, are used now to the conventions of a, a movie, a horror movie, and it's always a certain distance of, okay, I'm watching a thing that's happening up on that screen, and that movies like Paranormal Activity sucked you into the thing and made you just feel like I'm watching a, I'm standing in this room and it's all the way people are talking is how people are talk and the way everything looks is how people uh, uh, or how everything looks and then when something horrific happens you're just as it's as if you were standing in that room I think that's the beauty of it that, yeah. that uh, and I don't it, and it's kind of I'm, these things always kind of swing swing back and forth and we talked about The Conjuring and I do think it was a really effective movie and it was a very old timey old fashioned cinematic ghost story movie so it's good to know that like we can't just have found footage movies now that you can do a, like a pretty classical um, yeah I mean that one scared me and, and the other one that really scared me uh, which I watched a couple of years ago was El Orfanato the orphanage mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is you know and it's not horror it's just super scary suspense yeah. let me ask you this then horror movies what's the ideal way to see a scary movie in a packed theater or by yourself alone in the dark there you go it, you know I, I, like I will always think back to seeing scary movies early on as a kid in a theater you know like my my dad took my sister and I to see Alien you know I would have been 10 mm. And so seeing something that huge in front of me was terrifying. But then I think about, like, I've seen... I've had some really terrifying experiences at home watching just on my laptop. We talked about VHS and, mm -hmm. and, and, and that, like, I had, like, a stoned freakout during VHS. Yeah. Because these... I was telling him these... The last vignette was shot in my neighborhood which oh, okay. I didn't know at the time okay. but the, the conceit of the last one is you you meet these dudes and they're driving around a neighborhood it's a, it's an anthology it's right yeah okay right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, he said so right. the last yeah the last part of the anthology was <laughs> these dudes are driving around looking for a house yeah and they're naming streets okay like I don't know is it Mendocino or or is it Mar Vista and those are the streets around my house yeah 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 so I'm at, and, the, and the conceit of the movie leading up to that that vignette was that you watch these vignettes people in the movie are watching these tapes right. that hold these stories and scary shit starts happening to them yeah 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 so now I'm like holy <laughs> yeah. shit like it's breaking the fourth yeah exactly wall, like, dude. and I was telling Lemmy like is it conceivable that somehow this movie gets programmed like it knows like your zip code when you order it and so right. it plugs in a VO right. and, but I, I, I had a complete like yeah meta world falling in on itself running around stone now locking my doors and windows because the movie seemed to suddenly be existing on the streets outside my house by the way what a great idea if somehow you could get like 
plug GPS technology into your horror movie sure. and have that happen. Well, look, I, I mean, maybe we should be talking about because I do think at some point there will that something like that will happen because if you think about, you know, there was that Arcade Fire video where you put in your address <clears throat> and it's Google Maps. It's a really cool from from the last Arcade Fire album. Um, the video done by this guy Chris Milk was you put in your address and then it uses Google Earth. It's about it's like a, it shows a guy running. And it's a, there's a series of shots, and then what they do is then they take your address, and so they make it appear then the guy is running <laughs> towards your your yeah. your house. That's crazy. And so to me, I was like, oh yeah, this is a matter of time where like somehow a movie could be this fucked up experiential, entire top to bottom oh, thing God. where you you pro you program it, and then it uses images to have a killer approaching your house, and then like there's a knock on the door. There's a knock on the door. Exactly. <laughs> like that's like can you can you get can you go that far? I mean, wouldn't yeah. that be insane Ugh. if that I if you were watching a movie like Well, I mean, it, it would be sweet, too, if, like, I mean, you could put in, you could enter in, like, photos of yourself <laughs> and do that stuff and, like, make you, put your world into a horror movie. Well, I mean, look, we are... My world is a horror movie, <laughs> sweetheart. But we're getting, like, that's where things are going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way that... The new, like, there's a new Arcade Fire uh, video that's very interactive that you use. You're affecting the screen, uh, and you're changing what's on the screen, and then your webcam is putting you into it. So, you know, I mean, there will come a time where, like, yeah, there'll be some technical way in which you will engage with a horror movie. Right in a in a in a way that's completely fucked up. Smell a vision, exactly. <laughs> mm. uh, what was the budget on that Dark Circles? Um, Are you at liberty to discuss that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was I think it was about what one a rude or, question. <laughs> well, I just want to know, like, it was pretty low budget. I mean, uh, it was like one and a half million, and that was in Louisiana. Yeah. So it was. It's always tough to when you shoot anything in Louisiana. You don't know really sure. what any what's for real and what's <laughs> right, not for right, real. Right, right. It's a um, racket down there. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you, you, and there constraint. Do you feel the constraint of that budget, or was it? Uh, did you? You know. Yeah, I mean, they initially told me like, okay, can you shoot this in fourteen days? Jesus. And How I, many and days I, did you shoot? Eighteen. Okay. Um, you know, and, and it is primarily in one location, yeah. and it is primarily two people. Um, but I mean, but it's not that kind of a movie. Yeah. It's it's not a run and gun movie. It was a very, very like deliberate like composition like of anything I've ever Absolutely. done in my life. Yeah. It was the most sort of deliberately composed um, thing, and so you know, I knew I like with watching the detectives writing a movie that was with really minimal characters. I I thought that would be the thing that would save me, um, but this was really. Well, from a filmmaking point of view, like, you say that, but, like, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Soder has a lot of baby time in this movie. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of baby work in that movie, but which has immediately got to be a pain in the did ass. Did you have to use a twin? Twin babies? Twin, twin girls. Uh, um, what was funny, though, you'll like this, that, yeah, that was everybody's big, like, I mean, boogeyman going into it was sure. that we were all on alert for... There's a lot of baby Just time. so you know, yeah. there's babies on screen. Yeah. And that's, you know, they're going to ruin every take and just be, <laughs> exactly. be prepared for it. Yeah. And the funny thing is that we just stumbled upon these twin girls who had the best disposition of any babies <laughs> I've ever seen. So not the only, Jack Daniels. That's what it is, bro. Well, no, no, no. Jack Honestly, <laughs> not only would these kids not cry and ruin takes, they 
they ruined takes by like just smiling right down the barrel of the of the camera. So we'd all be sitting around a video village, and be like, "Dude, I love it!" But they they would blow it. They would blow a take. They just sit and smile. But then there's a scene. Um, there's there's only one. You you hear the baby crying a lot in the movie. Yeah. There's only one scene where you see, see the baby crying, yeah. and it's that that they they've. They've gone to sleep and oh they, and they wake that, up and the baby's that crying. That scene got me. And yeah, like that, scene. that scene got me from a dad. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. God, There's. A, I, I got mad at you for that one just uh, on like, principle. Like, but, no. 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 Yeah. That was the one. That to me, I think that's my favorite part of the movie. Like I felt like I did something really like. It sounds terrible, but like something really like horribly manipulative. Like that's the part of the oh, movie yeah. where I. But it was like, every time someone held that baby yeah. that wasn't the parent. Yeah. I, it freaked me out. Well, and and that scene. If you know what I'm saying. And, well, and I and I hate to tease things for the for the listeners. But who they'll watch it now. now they'll don't watch know it. yet. But like that, the scene you're talking about, on an entirely on a non horrific level, it got me on the dad level in of like when you have somehow fucked up. Yeah. And. Yeah. So that's just again as I as I talk about like the reaction of people who who have had kids versus haven't. Like as somebody who hasn't had a kid, will just. That will just kind of pass right through them, and if you've had a kid, that scene hits you in the fucking stomach. Because well, yeah. I remember when you had written the script and you were showing it to people, like you mm. know the, the like uh, Callahan and you know, right, right. and uh, I remember hearing the premise of it, and I was like, you know, eh, I don't buy it. Yeah, because you didn't have a fucking kid. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> I had. I didn't have a kid yet, and then it's like, but it's like I just couldn't connect with what it was. I was like, dark. I was like, cool idea. I'll have to see how it goes, yeah. and then it's like then I saw it when I had a kid, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, Paul, God. you pulled your punches." But what's interesting is, you know, like, you know, this the movie was a very personal expression of something that I'd been through, which is good. That's what like good movies I think should be. But it is funny if, as we talk about thinking about movies from a business point of view. You know, I essentially I made a movie that was tailor made for people who don't go to the movies. <laughs> right. You know, so right, it was right. one of those things where like I think it fucked me when, you know, we made the movie and the deal had always been, you know, it's Lionsgate does the DVD, they'll watch it at Lionsgate, and if they think it should be theatrical, then they'll do a theatrical. Yeah. And you know, the feedback I got was like, oh no, they they think it's a really good movie, but they just don't see the the potential for this to be something that would. That, Clearly, we know now the cost of a, of a theatrical distribution, the, the P&A and whatnot. Yeah. And it was hard for me to argue that because by that point, you do. You look at it and you're like... To relate to it. Speaks it speaks to yeah. people who, by definition, are the people who are stuck at home <laughs> dealing with a right. baby and don't go right. to the movies. Like, right. That's like you. we have these, you know... Like, think about how often we all went to the movies as young adults. Right. And then what happened once we had kids? Oh, like yeah. I talk to people, you know, where where I work now, and and it's just like you can't make them understand. It's like, no, I don't. Like, right. I definitely, I'm going to see Gravity. I hope, but like, I'm I've been trying to figure out how to go see Gravity for two, right. three weeks <laughs> right. since arranging a sitter and da da da. da. So I, I haven't seen a movie in the theater since Django Unchained back in December. Yeah, me too. Right. So it's been me ten too. months. I mean. I've seen plenty of uh, animated movies. Right, that's the thing. I've it's seen like Smurfs you go too, through and uh, <laughs> you, yeah, no, you have I've a baby, and then you don't see anything, and then right. uh, after a couple of years, then you go, but you go to see see kids' movies or, or whatever. So, but that's okay. Now you know I got a big screen TV. 
I got the little sound bar on there. I threw dark circles up on the big screen TV. It was like yeah. going to the movie theater. Oh, yeah. Popped out. Yeah. But like scared in my thing, <laughs> on my couch, no, by myself. It's, it's actually funny because it's What like, moved? Did something move? You know, like that kind of shit. Did something move in the house? Right. You're, you're scared. Yeah. No, we yeah, had that after we watched Paranormal Activity 3. We saw one and two in the theaters. Scared the bejesus out of us. Saw three in, in our bedroom. And um, something spooky happened, like the mirror fell off the wall, and then we were like, and then we heard a noise outside, and then uh, I went to pick up the telephone line, just as a joke, and we're like, all right, well, if the telephone is disconnected, then we're fucked. I picked it up, and there was no dial tone, and we were like, (laughs) (laughs) so that's what happened to me. A little creeped out right now. Yeah, I got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, I I watched that back in my office on my laptop, but I was like multiple times like, ah, maybe I'll just stop and I'll wait and see if Katie wants to watch it with me. And that's rare for me. I have to say that's that's really, I tip my hat because... Uh, because it was getting you so well. Because I was, yeah, like, you know, because I, I, my office is out behind the house. Yeah, yeah. And But that's, you know, that's what I've, since I've lived there, I, I watch horror movies out there by myself at night. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, that was the one time I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But see, that's interesting, because I remember, I don't know if you remember, but like, I, I had seen Paranormal Activity uh, in a packed theater. Yeah. On like a Friday night opening weekend, and it scared the shit out of me. A lot of talking back to the screen? No. People, <laughs> okay. That's how scared people were. Right, people were right. fucking terrified. Right, yeah. And then, I think sort of if I remember correctly you went and saw it like on like a Tuesday morning by yourself in an empty theater no I looked at a screener of it oh right I watched on a screener and was like I was like oh this is scary but it wasn't for some reason as impactful to me as like this three I don't know why was a little uh, thing coming up at the bottom like property was. <laughs> yeah yeah and I yeah. should know better now yeah. like screeners ruin your viewing experience yeah but number two is is scary too I haven't seen any of them no, I've seen scary. no paranormal activity. So what, what, and your, your entire life, you never enjoyed the scary uh, movies. There were times that I did, and like, and there I can remember some significant times that I've watched horror movies that have scarred me, and I'm like, I'm never going to watch another like movie Jaws again. or like later. No, like because um, Jaws. No, started. like as a you know as a as a ten year old or as a twelve year old or a fifteen year old or it was like I just you know certain movies like movies obscure like movies that you wouldn't think of you know like. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Let's Scare Jessica to mm-hmm. Death. Have you no. seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Like, I watched that movie in a theater, and it freaked me out. Oh, yeah. it so freaked me out. I need to go back and see it. We watched it as kids, my sister's... Yeah. Yeah, and like, I could go back and watch it now, probably, it's probably ridiculous. Yeah. But like, you know, it was one of those things, it might have been like a, in a school or somewhere it was, but I remember it was like, I'm watching the movie and I'm terrified, and then someone pulled the thing where like at the scary moment they reach through the seat and grab you, That's you bullshit. know, that kind of thing, and I'm like... <laughs> and I was like... I still don't condone Fuck, that. I can't do that. And then there, the other one was... Uh, I went with you guys to um, Blair Witch. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I was late in the game on Blair Witch, and I think we went... Someone doubled down with me. I did. You guys or somebody. We were, well, we were, well, we were living... We were I renting... Think it was DJ uh, Paul. We were we renting... Was up at the theater here. I think it yeah, was... Yeah, uh, and I went... I remember we, we, uh, we, uh, we double featured because I was so scared. I well, think after we went and saw Dick... The, the, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and then uh, and then we went home, and I was so scared. Well, so then in, did, the, in the in the hills, wherever we were, yeah. did, did Paul? Did you and I go see the like the a test screening of of Blair Witch, and then come back and oh maybe with, I'm yeah, thinking about Aco. our experience. I saw with Aco. Yeah, Aco. Like was that that was the test screening? Yeah, yeah. And then oh, we came okay. back, and we were at DJ 
DJ's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was yeah. like, I remember I was, I was sleeping in the room with like the the wicker, like the the French doors, and, right. and like they're like smacking against each other. And there's yeah. trees outside. I was like, oh, these goddamn witches everywhere. It's, uh, uh, no, we all saw Saw in the theater saw. together in Baton yeah. Rouge. We were shooting Dukes and Hazzard. I remember, like, Jesus. we screamed. We, yeah. I mean, I was scared. I screamed my, I, my I, ass off. Well, there was that scene. There's a scene where, like... That's the only one I've seen, though. I haven't seen any of the other songs. I haven't seen any of the songs. <laughs> there, there was the scene where, like, there, like the, the dude's walking through the, the house the, with the in. flash photographer. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. We were... Just screaming constantly. I was screaming my ass off. But, like, it was one of those deals where I scream my ass off, and then I think we went to a bar afterwards and just poked holes through it. Sure, sure, I mean? sure. But at the time, I, mean, I was like, yeah, but those those kind of movies, which, like, you know, literally my feeling is, like, I sit there, and you're like, I want to be entertained, and I'm not a guy who, I'm not entertained by, by feeling uh, tension. Right. So, I like, I shy away from that. This is the philosophy of me not watching a lot of horror. No, no, no. Okay. But also what's interesting is, as you talk about, yeah, we saw the movie, we were completely taken on a ride, and then later we sat down and thought about how uh, how much it didn't make sense. And it re- relates to us as we write movies now, that argument of, I find myself more on the side of like, look, if, if you've got them during the experience, it's okay, it's okay if they look back on it and like, well, wait a minute, because especially in the horror genre, you say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Where when you sit sit and look back, and that was always the problem with Saw movies were so these sort of yeah. del- no, elaborate house of cards. But in any movie, like when we write, clearly that's a tension that we go through is how much can you get away with bullshit during that 90 minutes? I think I'm more in the camp of that you can get away with it. And I think maybe you're less in that case. I don't like bullshit. Like, I don't like it when I can... Because there are movies, there are horror movies and there are comedies where they're they're seamless. There are no holes. Yeah, but okay, I'll I'll give you this example because we had a great conversation. We we cut um, Super Troopers with uh, this guy, George Folsey, who was a famous editor for John Landis. Yeah. Amazing guy. He cut the Blues Brothers and he cut... Coming to America and trading places in Animal's ho- Animal House. Animal's House. Animal's House. house. <laughs> Have you seen a movie called Animal's Man's House? I hear animals it's good. House. I hear it's good. Uh, but anyway, we had this conversation. It was like, trading places, they had the biggest fight over what happens in the end in terms of the stock price or whatever, the, the yeah. orange price going up and going down, and yeah. are you selling at the right spot? Blah, blah, blah. I still don't know. And he said, you know, it makes no sense. Yeah. Like, if you break it down... There is no logic to what they're doing, but you're caught up in the moment, and you and it makes no sense what they're doing, but you're caught up in it. And like they had this huge argument in the editing room, and they decided, fuck it, the audience is in. Who cares if it doesn't make well, sense? Point, They'll figure it out later. Right. To me, then that's the thing is if and if, it's true. if your entertainment value is high enough, yeah. then you can get away with that. So I think it's kind of what we end up arguing is like, all right, but if yes, if if you're not dazzling them with laughs. Or scares, then yes, you shouldn't. You can't. You, you can't get away with that shit because, you know, yeah, you're going to sit around. You know, when you see a, a movie that's not engaging you, you start looking for the seams. But when a movie has taken you on a ride, then you sure. don't. You don't find yourself looking. For Trading the- places is is a fine example, but I don't think totally fair in terms of what we we argue about because trading places. To me, like somehow they, it ha- has had the effect of it's, – it's the one hole and sometimes I joke about it with people still like love that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea what happened at the end there. Like right. I still can't figure out what happens at the right. end there and it's kind of a joke mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like if there was a gap in logic in the middle of it. Now that's not to say I haven't seen funny movies that 
you know that don't have have those gaps. I do, sure. and I enjoy them. But it's like, will I give them the A plus rating? No. no It'll the, be the, like the, the, the rule, I think the thing is, if it pulls you out of the movie, then it's a problem. Yeah. But if you go for a long ride and later on go back and be like, yeah. Yeah, but that's like, what, I, I had a great time watching Saw, and we had a great time. And I thought it was a great, scary movie. I mean, there's huge holes in it, but sure. at the time, sure. it didn't matter to me. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, but as a filmmaker, then your responsibility shouldn't your responsibility be to make a seam, seamless movie? Uh, maybe I don't it know. Should, well, it should I mean, be. It should you, be. Sometimes it, it doesn't work out that be, way. I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's you should still put in the effort and not accept you, the bullshit. Well, you absolutely should put in the effort, but. It just in filmmaking things happen. It's an imperfect science. You know, sure. things happen that you have to fix things. And make okay, things well, work. In, in terms of what we're talking okay. about, I am less likely to give up on the fight <laughs> to fill the hole. Okay, okay. I don't like holes in movies. I mean, it's just I, I've been watching movies since I was a kid. I, you know, I mean, you have. We all love movies. <laughs> we all love movies. Yeah. But like, we talk about the cheat in the opening of Dark Circles. Like, yes. does that ultimately bother you? Well, I, I, I don't really want to go into it here. There's there's take one, it offline. We'll talk about that. <laughs> there's one issue I have with it. I don't want to go into but, it with you, Soder. It didn't it didn't bother me at the time. It's afterwards, you know, if you're asking me what my if I have a criticism or a critique, it's I would say this is my issue with that thing. At the time, I mean, you know, I thought about it while I was watching the movie, like when I was figuring out what was going on, I was like uh, you know, I would think back to the opening scene, and I was like, "Okay, this is my this this is my note mm-hmm. here." Yeah. But you know, it's not. Again, it's like a comedy movie. If it's if a comedy movie is making you laugh, that's my first criteria. I would rather see a, a funny movie that's got some holes or some cheats in it than a seamlessly plotted movie that didn't make me laugh at all. Boring. Yeah, and same with a horror movie. It's like, if it scares the shit out of me in a lot of places, yeah. I would rather... But it has a few cheats or a few cheapy effects even, or, you know, like, uh, whatever it is. I'd rather see that than a movie that's supposed to be scary, that's seamless in its plot delivery, sure. but, like, doesn't doesn't sure, scare me. Sure, No, in a perfect world, yeah, you, you, would, you would achieve both. I think I just get, you know... I make the mistake of spending too much time on like IMDb comment boards where like you just you're typing, you're typing on them. Occasionally, <laughs> <laughs> nah, you just get so sick of like I'll see a movie that like I, I think is really like a cool little indie movie and really well done, and you just you I want to throttle the fucking people who are like, well, that would never happen because I would never do that. And then you're like, I don't give a shit. Like, what you would do should not be the criterion for something that can or can't happen in a movie. And I'm just blown away by... I I don't know if it's a bigger cultural, anthropological thing of, like, people's inability to just have any sympathy for the way somebody else might behave or act or get in anybody else's head. But I'm stunned how much... And I I know it's the fucking trolls of the world, but, like... I just get so depressed when like everybody's like, I, I, this movie Time Crimes. And, yeah. Uh, that I, I just I love that that movie. And I get so it's it's so maddening to to then see people who have dismissed it because like, well you know what happened at the seventeen minute mark? I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. well, geez, there'd be no fucking horror movies. Yeah. There'd be no genre movies if we all people make had dumb to decisions. Live by. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like anything like a dumb decision is one thing, but just like. 
well, I see why somebody did sure. this thing. And, and if that's not what you would have done, that's fine. But that, that would suddenly shut you down to your <laughs> enjoyment story. of a movie. Yeah. It just, just baffles me. Plus also, I mean, you know, there are a lot of things you can say about that specific, like those internet, the chat no, rooms no. and everything. I should just stay away from it. <laughs> you should. You yeah, should. Don't look at them. Well, but it's, it's like, it's, it's anything. You know, I'm sure in the 17th century with books, it was maddening too. You know, it's like someone chimes like, up from the back. You know, I love, I would never do such a thing. In the Scarlet Pimpernel. Yeah. <laughs> Tale of two cities. He gives his life for a total stranger. Bullshit. What are you crazy? I would never. I mean, that's to me. That is, to me, it's actually one of the best group things about uh, seeing a horror movie in a theater. Is the moment when the person decides to go down into the cellar because they've heard the noise. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, oh, no fucking way. But I, I'm not mad. Yeah. No, I saw it on. I was online today. Shit, I can't remember the site, but it was like a a trailer that some Austin filmmakers had had made for a fake horror movie called Hell No, and it was just the whole premise was it's <laughs> our, our your central group of characters just make a sensible decision at every sort of juncture at every intersection. So it's just a series of sort of horrible things that don't happen because yeah. the character's like, are you fucking kidding me? No, hell, I'm not no. going to spend the night in the insane asylum. I'm That's not going to go swim in that. Yeah, just you know, yeah, you always got to kick, hey, kick out of that. Yeah. Uh, now you didn't act in dark circles at all. Was there ever thought the thought to maybe get your face in there? Or? Nah, I just uh, um, like I, I did one. I'm in one scene in watching the detectives, and it, yeah. it was a really sort of un, it was the only like unpleasant day of shooting because you realize as a director, like I get we used to joke about how like you had to snap Jay out of his sort of directing mindset when he was, he was on acting, yeah. camera and you could see you'd see him you'd go to Video Village or whatever and you look at him and you're like I can tell you're processing shit and you're trying to figure out your schedule and Spinning you're trying to figure an man. angle yeah. and yeah, yeah and, and, and like yeah, we created an entire character for him in Club Dread to make him angry <laughs> in the hopes that he would yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd smile just once um, but yeah like no I, I, I you know I uh, and we you know coming in and doing Fatty and Taddy, we talked about it a little bit. That like, <laughs> there's a pleasure to acting that that is, I think, at its best when you are able to think about nothing but being an actor. Yeah. And to me, the pleasure in directing is to then likewise to direct to not right. You know, you have a million things as you as you guys have seen. You know, yeah. You have a million things that you're dealing with, and and to have your own performance. And I'm just not. I don't. Not trying to be humble, I, I I don't I'm not that kind of an actor. Like I, like I, I have so much more respect for some you know like what's his name who did Garden State when it's like yeah when somebody exactly. gives a really yeah. good performance in a movie yeah. that they're directing like yeah. God I mean that's that's amazing I just couldn't do it sure ah you could do it sorry. do you think if you had if you had enough time and money you could do it I mean because you, if you're making a movie I mean what, how many days did you have for watching the detectives twenty okay that's still I mean that's a tough schedule. That's a tough shooting schedule. Yeah, I guess if you had, yeah, if you had the luxury of really taking your your time, um. I just don't know how I would direct myself. You know, because yeah. either either I absolutely love something I've done, or I think it's fuck it, I despise it. You know, yeah. but I don't know if I could see any of like the. I don't think about like I don't even. I don't know. You just compartmentalize it. I think. Yeah. You know. Like, it's funny to, uh, like, you know, as I cut Fatty and Tatty now, to watch myself act, 
Yeah. And not even think about, uh, not even remember the acting. Sure. Because kind of <laughs> you're thinking about so many other things. Right. You know? Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, not really. I mean, it's not like... Well, I, I, I have fun doing it. I mean, I, I think there's a, a, an interesting, like, um, challenge to it. Well, it's, I mean... Which is fun. You can... I, I didn't notice it uh, as much in you when we shot Slam and Salmon when you were directing that, as much as I noticed it in Jay on Puddle Cruiser and Super Troopers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Slam and Salmon was a tough budget, too, but it was yeah. a much bigger budget than either of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably the... Sh- Similar shooting schedule. Uh, um, yeah, I think it was twenty-three days. Yeah, yeah. so four I mean, days, something like that. In one but, location. But maybe it comes sure. with experience. I mean, that's what I'm you know asking about the money. I mean, maybe if if you shot a movie with the same budget now, a third movie, do you think it would be easier for you to direct yourself acting in a scene? Um, I guess I just like uh, I I don't take. No, like I guess, and I think about the kind of movies I make, which are now you know like, like a con- like to me, I don't acting in a broken lizard movie is just um, hit your marks and just try to say something funny, mm-hmm. and you know it- that's all it is to you, Soder. <laughs> yeah. Is that all it is to you? <laughs> An interesting with us? perspective. Did well, you- I mean, think about it. I mean, we you know is uh, I don't I don't. I've never necessarily felt tread challenged. Lightly, tread lightly, so. I've never felt challenged acting in a broken lizard movie. Like I had to really think, <clears throat> find about, a, a moment, yeah, find a thing. Well, find we do a mock. Character. We don't do. I think you know. I think we do mock drama. Like we don't do drama. I think that's the harder part. We don't do drama like TBS. Yeah. What uh, What about Club Dread? Like that's a horror movie. Did you enjoy? Um, Seeing your head spinning on a turntable, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, that's like a horror movie buff's dream, isn't it? Although that was, just tell a story about that because that, I mean, that was a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah it was. Well, I mean, there was, I mean, it was you, like vomit or something like that, or what the hell was? It? Uh, I came a little short of, yeah. of vomiting. I mean, if you, you know, the, with with Club Dread, my character is is killed and decapitated. And Spoiler head, alert! <laughs> his head is placed on a. A turntable. Turn we had to figure out how to do that. No, well, actually, I, I remember, like, they were planning on doing a life cast and a head, and, and as a guy, as a student of horror movies, right. I, my position was, I just don't think there's ever been a great-looking severed head. True, true that, Soder. You sure. know, just never. Danny Trejo, Breaking Bad. I haven't seen it. Spoiler. Oh, oh, you are oh. a fucking dick. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's not in there. Um, <laughs> so I remember at the time being like you know what let's let's think about a way that maybe we build a rig we build the turntable around right. my head as you guys joke about me my feelings are always like oh no no that's an easy thing to do yeah, how do hard it. can it be how hard can it be mm-hmm. that's build always my thing do it you Get just in put there. me on a lazy Susan and yeah. Yeah. I'll build it I'll build it myself yeah I'll do it myself yeah uh, but if that was a case where you're like I was very proud of myself that I was like no I think this is the way to do it and I do think it was the right way to do it but yeah that when it came to performing it like doing takes where you're on a like a little spinny turntable and you know you don't think you think when you're spinning around right you have to be dead eyed holding your eyes still 
you think that your eyes aren't moving, right. but when you've got a camera on you, everybody right. was like, your eyes are moving. I was yeah. like, they're not moving. Your eyes are moving. Yeah. You're they're focusing moving. on You're locking on something, right? And That's you right. have to let your yeah. eyes die. You have, you, have to to you have to You have to act. But it wasn't acting. It was the opposite. It was like you must completely <laughs> deaden yourself. And that was the only way finally got it so that my you didn't see my, my eyes moving. Right. I had to like... Just go, but it made you to sick some to your deep, stomach, dark though. place. But yeah, I had to have some like Benadryl or because <laughs> they were putting drops in my eyes, right? Because you're bloody shit on my face, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then spin me around, spin and, you right round, baby, right yeah, round, round, we, baby. You know, we were, uh, you know, we were always drinking and smoking during that movie, <laughs> so we were always on something. Who do you think has the deadest eyes in Broken Lizard? <laughs> Look, I think that none of us have dead eyes, which is what makes somebody funny. Okay, okay. To have, you have to have some life in your eyes. Sure, sure. Did you... you neither of you guys commented on my description of uh, a certain Farva lookalike in, uh, in the Super Troopers draft, which I, uh, I commented that he looked just like Farva. He had, you know, he had boar's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, are for, you talking about the Super Troopers 2 script? Like? I am talking about the Super Troopers oh, 2 script that we News were alert. working on tonight. Spoiler alert, Farver will be described as having the eyes of a boar. <laughs> B-O-A-R or B-O-R-E? Uh, <laughs> or is he just boorish? Uh-huh. So, so Soto, you know, we were talking about um, the early days of Broken Lizard, Charred Goosebeak. So um, do you remember – so you were not in the first version of Charred Goosebeak. I was that not. was the Colgate University Comedy Club. Yeah. Yes. Comedy <laughs> club. Comedy <laughs> – Yeah. Troop. Troop. We're not supposed to say that. No. Team. Team. Again. Yeah. How many team? Um, now, but you were supposed to be. Yeah, there's some miscommunication between myself and Jay Anderson. I'd like to hear not you. The first, the first of many misunderstandings. Guide us through it, because, Kevin, you were on the inside of that, too. I was on the inside of that. But, I, don't, I mean, I didn't know Soder at that point. Like, I knew Soder from, uh, well, I, I had uh, seen him in a play at uh, Colgate. Which play? It was called Noises Off. Oh, I saw that too. Right? No, on the Razzle. No, on the Razzle. Stolhansky was in that. Stolhansky did noise. Okay, it's called on the Razzle. You're right. Let's and, wait, wait. Um, Let, let's let's uh, put a pin in that. Yeah, I'm going to come right to it. Okay. So uh, Paul Soder showed up as a freshman at uh, Colgate University and was immediately. Uh, That's what I was going to say. Anointed, and and deservedly so, was like the hot new actor on the scene. He was. Yeah. And we had a we had a friend Al Irvine, Alex Irvine who was uh, uh, in the theater kind of thing, and he did a play. He did this play on the Razzle, and uh, we were in the same fraternity as him. And everyone had to go to the play to support it as their fraternity brothers. Oh. And so, as a sophomore, I had I went to go see this play, and I was not a big play goer. Sure. And also, and neither was Colgate because sure. at Colgate University, yeah, yeah. To be fair, the. Theaters Theater. were not well. The the plays were not well attended. Right. But we went. We all went all mass. And uh, there was this young go-getter freshman who had the lead role in that play. I was like, who's this guy? It's Paul Soder. Who's this guy? Who's this kid? Yeah. Were you resentful? No, no, no. I thought he was good. Because you had acted in some stuff. No, but it was also like, uh, I feel like uh, when you were a sophomore at Colgate, like, freshmen were meat to you. Sure. You looked at them as, you know... You uh, you were supposed to recruit them into your fraternity and that kind of shit. Oh, meat like you know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like you know sort of subhuman. 
No, no, no. Like I mean, like uh, like I white mean, whales. Target They're targets. Okay, yeah. uh-huh. okay. So you were looking for for a, bo- a warm body to rush. Uh, I, I guess so, but it, I mean, for that would never would have been my. Uh, thing that would have been like Al Irvine's job. Okay, you know? okay. It never would have occurred to either of you guys to, to recruit somebody out of the theater department, though, either. I mean, that's, me, no. No. But Chandra Sekar, well, you know, maybe. Sure, because th- he was a theater uh, dork, for lack of a better word. Yeah, right. And uh, not that I, you know, I, I, I apologize for saying that, and I never apologize. <laughs> that's a that's a very high school. Right. Okay, but so I go see Soder's in the, on the razzle. He's a hot freshman guy, and then you track him from there on. You track that guy. Okay. And you know, I think I went. I think you did some stand up at Colgate. I think I saw you do some stand up. Yeah. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think Chandler Sekar on, on the same night. That's right. And, uh, and Mink and Solhansky. Didn't Solhansky do stand up? Yep. 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 Okay. I remember I went to that thing and. And then we were putting the comedy group together, and Jay was like, uh, knew you. And he was like, I'm going to get this Paul Soder guy to come do the the group, the comedy group. Yeah, I mean, so, so now this is a few years later. Yeah, this is when, I, now I'm a senior. You're a senior. And Paul's a junior. And what had happened was uh, someone in Paul's year and my year um, had decided to start a, a student-run theater group called the Kinetic Theater Company. And it took off. And then by his junior year, he was going away for a semester and decided to appoint four directors, right? Yeah. To do, uh, to do different plays under the Kinetic Theater banner. Right. And Soder was one. Jay was another. Yeah. Lauren Bright. A couple other guys who, who people don't know. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Lauren Bright is in uh, uh, one of our movies, The Tinfoil Monkey Agenda. Oh, right. Yeah. So shut up. Yeah. And nobody's seen. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. They will one day, Kevin, so, you bastard. Okay. So Soder... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Soder was directing one of them, and Jay was directing one of them, and then yours fell through? Is that the way it worked, or what happened? Or you fell it through? I... Th- like, I think I was trying to recruit some actors, and, and uh, it, it, like... I don't remember... Oh, come on. So the thing was, it was like summertime. You're like, ah, hey, fuck it. I'm not going to direct the play. Wasn't that No, no, no. I, really? I got like, I had, I was, I had written an adaptation of a Ray Bradbury short story. Hello. Hello. Yep. Okay. okay. And was very uh, pleased with it. Shoved that right back in your face. Yes, he did. I, I don't remember exactly how it played out, but I remember call, starting to call some actors saying, hey, you, you want to. Well, like Bill Murray or this? like uh, Colgate? No, Colgate. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> you go to Bill Murray first, and then, and then De Niro, you know, and then, uh, yeah. then Eric Stolhansky. Yeah. Uh, um, and I must have said something to some actor about like, um, well, I think if you do my thing, then yeah, I don't, I don't think you would be able to do that other thing. Right. And whoever that person was, Steve Lemmy, reported no, back to right. Jonathan Glatzer, the guy who was. Okay. Running these things. And I remember getting an angry call over the summer from Glatzer being like, you can't tell actors that they have to do your play and can't do somebody else's play. And, and I remember like having a really contentious phone call with him. And then from that point on, it was like, hey, you know what, fuck it. I, yeah. You know? So you bailed. So but I think failed. then Jay tried to recruit you, but it didn't, it didn't. So I just remember that like I heard that Jay was putting together a comedy group. Yeah. And I was excited. And... Just the communication was my recollection of the conversation with Jay was, "Do you want to do this?" And me saying, "Yeah, of course," and waiting for then like my to be told when my to call, show up. My phone call. Right. Yeah, yeah. To be told, okay, <laughs> your first, our first yeah, rehearsal. Soda, we're ready for you to yeah, I need my shooting Whatever. schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and that somehow what he did was, you know, even to the 
to you guys, right? There was still you still had to go through an audition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just somehow I missed that part. Right. I don't know how. Like he just. But I thought it was the school. The school made people like. Didn't, mm, I think it was. I think it was uh, the head of that theater group who was like, you know. Oh, I thought it was the university. It said you can't just bring people in. You have to have formal auditions. Uh, I think it would. I think it was the guy who was head of the theater group who did that. So I just think that somehow I never got that. I needed to go to an audition, and then right. once the group had started, I think I just was like, oh, shit, okay, well, I guess maybe Jay changed his mind. Right. And then saw your first show. Right, which we have funny video of. We have a uh, have somewhere. Me on video. It's like you coming up to Jay after the show was over. After the final show of, of the run. That you saw. Right. Well, no, just, yeah, I mean, imagine. You loved it. Imagine well, my point. Who was that guy, Heffernan? Yeah. Who was that guy? That guy, genius. <laughs> you, it's funny because it's like the, it's the the video is not actually on you. It's on something else in the foreground, but in you the background, tiny shot approaching yeah. Jay. Yeah. Because you know, from my point of view, like I, I thought it was hysterical, and I was also dying inside because I, I didn't, I think, didn't totally understand why I wasn't part of this group. <laughs> right, right. And you open with this like Magnificent Seven movie. Yeah. That was very funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was loving it. And I was like, God, why the fuck? Didn't, am I not part of this? I think I still didn't understand. Right. I think I knew at that point that there had just had been a misunderstanding. And so then, yeah, when it was over, like I was like, I gotta, I'm going straight to Chandler Sager. I was like, look, right. what, <laughs> Give what me do I have to do? I want in. On, and I then want you're in, in the next semester. Yeah. You were in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because it was my last semester. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Stolhansky was in. Or Stolhansky no, was Stolhansky kind of was, a, was away. That. He, no, no, he... He wasn't in it. He did like a video the in the Lizard Man. Oh, video. right, 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 right. Was that in the and first show? Father the... Tom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did some videos, but yeah. didn't do the stage. He didn't do the stage stuff. No. And then he did the next year after. Then Chandler Sagan and I left, and then. Uh, right. But then you came down to New York City. Yes. After you graduated. Yeah. So then we had. When did you move to New York City? You graduated, but then you didn't. Uh, didn't you go to Colorado? But it was a year after us. Because we, we had done start. We had done no, one I, show. I, I graduated in the spring. And then went to back to Denver for the spring and summer, and then it was the fall when I joined right. you guys. I talked to, to to Jay. Yeah, I remember talking to Jay and getting the invite, and I was still in school. So yeah. I'm not quite sure why I didn't go. <clears throat> you should have dropped out like Lemmy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't drop out to be in the group. It was my dropping out that created the group <laughs> in New York. Oh. Chicken and egg. Oh. Chicken and egg situation. Yeah. We would have never done it without you. Because I was there, and the guy said, "Hey, Lemmy, do you want to be? Do you want to start the group up?" I said, "Yeah, I'll do it. Oh, right. I'll try anything once." But uh, yeah, so I don't know why it took me. I think. Oh, you know what it is? I went home because I, I wanted to work. I knew I had a, uh, earn some a, dough. a job, and I could earn some dough yeah. to, to move sure. to New York. Get so some I bread. Worked for the end of the spring. Worked through the summer and the fall. I got in my car. To make the drive from Colorado to right. to meet you guys in New York, and I remember, will always remember, getting the car, loading the car, turning on the ignition, and the opening strains of the song "Fame" by David Bowie <laughs> played as if this was all a movie that I was part of, and that is how I drove away from Denver to meet you guys in New York. For one second, I thought it was the Irene Caravan. <laughs> Fame. Fame. Yeah. What uh, happened to that car? Um, I had it in New question. York for a while. I know what happened to that. And uh, <laughs> it was always, yeah, there was a one misadventure after another. I mean, having a car sure. in New York City, you have to have a screw loose to, unless yeah, you're, you're rich yeah. and you've got a garage. A garage but like, yeah. So I, I, for a year, 
put up with all that horse shit of like having to park it on the street and then just one day it wasn't there <laughs> and I went out and I filmed the, the crime report and my car is not there da, 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 okay we'll let you know and then <laughs> like six months later I got a letter from the city cockknockers from the city <laughs> saying you know your car has been on in, in impound for five and a half months and, and, and in three days we are auctioning your car unless you pay for like the ten tickets that were on my car <laughs> from the time it had been stolen and all the storage costs of the car for the last five and a half yeah. months. So it was like, like fuck you. Like we're gonna you know, you imagine having your car <laughs> stolen and being furious and reporting it to the city and then six months later hearing Hey, dude, look, we've been sitting on your car for six fucking months, buddy. Are you going to pay for it or are we going to auction it? And it was like, you know, like $1,000. Yeah. Like back in that, that, like, that was an impossible yeah. amount yeah. of money yeah, sure. at that time. Sure. And I remember, like, taking the day off work and getting bounced around from, like, government agency, city agency to another. And it was like a Kafkaesque. It was like the movie Brazil, where right. I was like, you'd talk to somebody and be like, here's the report. Police report, damn it. Yeah. From that day. And having to be like, no, I don't think that's that's true. We we go online, you know, we we can't find that paperwork anywhere. I'd be like, it's right here. I've got my copy of it. And they're like, eh, the police don't don't have it. And then having going to some other guy who like accused me of orchestrating the whole thing and that I had multiple identities. He's like, Jeez. well, what? At one place, uh, I've got your your name listed as Paul C. Soder. Another place, you're listed as Paul D. Soder. So it sounds to me like you like to play games. <laughs> I was like, I just want my fucking car back. What is the matter with you? It was really like Brazil. It was really... Uh, and so what happened to the car? At some point, I was like, all right, fuck it. Take fuck it. it. Whatever. So I, mean, my I, don't, car. I, don't, I don't need it. You, yeah. you donated it to the city of New York. Yeah. You did. And, but Somebody let's be honest, got an you do like to play games, don't you? <laughs> I like some games, but yeah, sure. You've played a few games in your day. I know when the games need to stop. And, uh, you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. Um, um, uh, we're getting we're getting on there. But how 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 long have we been doing here? Uh, hour fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. we to roll. Okay. One, um, uh, one last thing. Uh, next week you debut in um, the hot new web series called The Adventures of Fatty and yes. Teddy. Yes. Paul Soder in The Adventures of Fatty and Teddy. Next week you'll be in next week's episode. Yeah. By the way, there is, is a new episode. Edited? There is a new episode today. Today. Yeah. I think they're going to get it up today. Tata. Tata. How how far along the editing is my episode? Uh, I've got uh, a rough uh, draft of your stuff. I mean, there's more to the episode than your stuff, but I've got a rough cut of yours. Did I give you enough? To oh, have the footage that you feel that you, you gave need? me too much. Uh-huh, exactly. It's like funny. Like I like I was going through the footage and. Uh, I was like logging the footage, and I got to take six on one thing. And I was like, "Take six? Jesus, we never, we never go past two. But we were giving you a courtesy of having some fun, Soder. We give our. I'm glad you did. I mean, honestly, like I don't act much, so for me, no. But take three is like I used a lot of take three. I mean, I mean, it was great from the beginning. I was surprisingly. And take three is only really the second take because the first take was. was And the second take is actually that. Then that counts. What I'm trying to say is, you did a good job. Well, but yeah. now now Paul got to play um, a character that we have been 
uh, riffing about for like 15 years. Sure. Which was based. The role 15 years I don't know that you should say who was based. I'll do what I want to, Kevin. I don't think you should. Don't worry. I'm not going to. Do you think I'm just going to come out and say who it's based on? I don't know what you're going to say. You're such a live wire. (laughs) (laughs) And you're such a a tight ass, Kevin. You're such a tight ass. I guess so. Anyway, it's based on a character that we have enjoyed riffing on when we, you know. And each of us have wanted to play that character uh, for a long time. Been dying. So we got a great opportunity to. Yeah. But I found myself really hung up on what we were talking about on that day because, you know what, this person was a character and was a very entertaining person to be around. Yeah. But that just, he, there's so many things that came out of his mouth that we immediately just sort of put in the time capsule mm-hmm. as things that we, when, his, when he was out of the room, yeah. said to each other. And like, it, Remember now, we each got those digital recorders... Around that time, yeah. I had a full my, full my <laughs> digital recorder up with with quotes from that guy, and it's sitting somewhere. This was yeah. a fellow who, when you hung out with him, it was instant daily comedy. Yeah, and after good. after ten minutes hanging out with the guy, you'd we'd each of us individually come scurrying back to the others with reports of what this person had said. And you would, you, we were living with this guy, mm-hmm. and then when he was gone, it just so <laughs> it strikes me as somewhat disrespectful now. But like we would just. Parade around his house, doing imitations of him mm-hmm. all day long, singing to each other in the way that he, you know, everything got blown completely out of proportion. Everything was like an extreme exaggeration. And you um, got to put that on. I got to take all that fifteen years worth of <laughs> right. of uh, gems that you know, and we boiled it down to five minutes. Yeah, but just hung up on this idea that like it just. And this is what we have done throughout our whole lives is taken just innocent things that people have said to us and lampooned them into like <laughs> I was thinking about like there we had like one of our, our lovely hosts in Australia yeah. Yeah. who had we were talking about Guns N' Roses yeah. and she loved Guns N' Roses she and she yeah. talked about and slash on the guitar yeah. slash on the guitar and you know like that left her awareness probably 10 minutes after she said it. Right. And the idea that, like, but yet she doesn't know. She's on the other side of the sure. earth from us. Yeah, we're still and we have for, for years yeah. been just repeating her and repeating her and repeating her. That's such a weird... We did mock her pretty hard I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I remember us all being crammed into an SUV, and she was sitting on someone's lap. She was on my lap. And, and there were, like, eight of us. And we are like... There's like eight of us saying, Slash on the guitar. There are actually ten of us in that car because there are five broken lizards and five yeah. girls. Yeah. And the, our, our handlers. The, the Australian well, this fox people. Australian story, and it's totally inadvertent, but it reminds me of a story I want to make sure I told you guys. It's probably a good, I mean, like a good kind of cherry on top of okay. all this. So okay. uh, I was with our friend Philippe Brennick Meyer the other yep. day. Who's also in Dark Circles. Who's also in Dark who's Circles. Who's in Beer Fest. Who's in Slam and Salmon. Super Troopers. Super Troopers. The, the German swinger. Uh, and I Heart Shaky. And somebody <laughs> I would really highly recommend you having on the podcast because he's a, oh, that's a good funny idea. guy. He's a great storyteller. Great. Yeah, worldly. Yeah, yeah. But he told me a story the other day that I wanted to pass on. Uh, uh, he was back in Berlin this summer uh, producing a short film. His okay. wife had written it and so he wants to get into producing. Yeah. So he was I'm producing this short film in Berlin and he was location scouting and he didn't hire anybody he would just kind of just walking the streets of Berlin looking for places that looked right and then he would just approach people you know do you know who lives here and who, who's this and where you know he's the kind of guy that's what he, he just walks through life grabbing people and asking them questions wonderful fellow and uh, <clears throat> so he'd been doing this and he found the perfect building for him he was like ah I found it 
And so now he needed his inn, and so he stood outside waiting for somebody to walk out so that he could approach them about the house. The, 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 it was like an apartment building or something like that. So he waits around, waits around, and then this man, young man, uh, um, walks out of the building, and he's got his earphones on, and... Uh, so Philippe makes a big, like, <laughs> gesturing for him you know, to pull out the, the, your earphones or whatever. And this guy immediately has a very sort of strange reaction to Philippe, you know, who's this crazy person urging me to, to take my, my, my ear, earphones out. And Philippe, uh, like, gets worked up. He's like, listen, I simply, I have to ask you something. And then Philippe gets a phone call. Okay. And bizarrely, like... Takes it. Takes the phone okay. call? Yeah, okay. Like, imagine somebody accosting you on the street. Right. <laughs> makes you pull your earbuds out yeah. and then walks away for a second and won't let you leave because he's taking a phone call. So we were laughing about this. stuff that was funny. And so then what happened was then he, he took the call and this guy was cool enough to wait for him. And then Philippe went back to the guy to, to ask him, you know, what can you tell me about this building and who do I need to talk to to, to, to uh, shoot here? And the guy turns out to be Australian. Okay. He's an Australian guy in a band. Actually, he's, New, he's from New Zealand. And there's a huge band in New Zealand called 660, I think is their name. Okay. And they conquered New Zealand, and they decided to go from there. They all moved to, to Berlin. And they were now in Berlin. Uh, um, like the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Or doing Hamburg. Their, Hamburg. <laughs> okay. um, and so... And, and Philippe ended up taking this guy out to lunch, and then, you know, Philippe is a kind of a collector. He loves sort of meeting interesting people. Sure. <clears throat> so now he's, like, made buddies with this dude that he accosted. And at some point, the conversation came to Philippe being like, oh, this must have just been ridiculous to have somebody, you're trying to listen to music, and somebody comes up to you and starts waving in your face. And the guy says, well, uh... I wasn't listening to music, actually. I was listening to a podcast. These guys from America, Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lindy. And ran, so randomly this oh my God. New Zealand rock star living in Berlin was listening to your podcast as Philippe Brennickmeyer <laughs> accosted him on the, the street. It was a big enough fan of us to listen to the podcast, and for some reason, it took a while though. He like didn't to figure out who Philippe was. was. So we yeah. all kind of came together at Holy some point. Holy shit, that's so, amazing! Yeah, I thought you guys would appreciate. Well, now it, we but, definitely but, have to have Philippe on. I, I wonder know. what this fellow's name is. Hello, fellow. <laughs> I looked him up. I couldn't remember. I asked Philippe, but yeah, Hello, I think the band's called Six Six Sixty. Hello, Six, Australian yeah. fellow. Hey, Australian fellow New in Zealand Berlin. Uh, New Zealand Australian fellow. New Zealand fellow in Berlin. Uh, tweet us and uh, say hi. We want to know your name. Talk to you. All right. All right, Thanks so for that's me, a great story. Thank you. Will you take us out with a chew? Let's chew it out, bro. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, what just, 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 just like before, like we yeah. came in. Yeah, however you want to eat. Thanks, everyone. Watch Shoulder and Fatty and Tatty. And watch Dark Circles. Scary. And chewy. But tasty. Later. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 